to let them go. this morning. Brother Ken. Amen. As you stand today, grab your blue song book, hymn number 56, page number 56 today. When we all get to heaven, first, second, last verse, hymn number 56. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing and 
Come open us up in prayer if you would, please. While Brother Larry comes, let me give you a couple of quick prayer requests. I want you to, of course, pray for Christy. She goes Tuesday to have her baby. Pray that there'd be no problems, no complications there. And also, of course, uh, pray for those in our church who've been suffering from medical issues. Uh, we've got several of them who had uh, been in and out of the hospital. We ask you to pray for those. And we want the Lord's blessings on our services today. If you came here to hear from heaven, give us a big amen. Brother Larry, you come pray for us this morning, if you would. Let's join Brother Larry. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us, Lord. We thank you for those people who've been praying for rain, but I think it's time to stop. Lord, I pray you just bless our country, Lord. Bless our president, Lord. May we be in remembrance of those who suffered and died serving their country, Lord. I pray we bless those that are serving our country all around the world, Lord. I pray that you'll just bless each person that's made the effort to be here this morning. Lord, I thank you for answering prayer, and I thank you for those prayers you didn't answer. Lord, I pray that you just bless our services this morning, Lord. I pray for our pastor. He brings a message, Lord. May it be something that we need to hear. And he will be held accountable for what he That's preaches right. this morning. Yes. Right. But we also will be held accountable for what we do with the message today also. Yeah. So we all have a spiritual responsibility this day. Lord, take all the worldly uh, cares away from us, Lord. Let us be in this place, Lord, to hear what's going to be said from heaven today. And I pray that you just guide us and direct us and bless us, Lord. For it's in your blessed name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. On this Memorial Day, I think this song is entirely appropriate. It just says, I have been blessed. You listen now as the choir sings this morning. Yeah. 
father and mother who nurtured and raised my brothers and sisters and the memories made now pastor to lead us this altar to
here and this is just kind of how we operate we don't have to wait till an altar call to get to an altar but if you're here today and you know you've got something that you need him to divinely uh, in, in, operate I want to encourage you to make your way as well the chorus says uh, though I've had my share of hard times I wouldn't change them if I could cause through it all God's been good sing it Anna Yeah. 
We're going to sing one more this morning. I hadn't planned on singing it, but I feel like we ought to this morning. I don't know what you're facing today, but I sure know the one who's got the answer. Brother Scott's going to sing what I think is Miss Kyla's most beautiful song she's ever written. And if the Lord speaks to you, you don't be afraid to get up and, and make a move this morning. You listen now as the choir sings One Scarred Hand. Thank you. 
some quick announcements this morning. Let me go over the quickly with you just before our kids head out. Don't forget uh, Saturday week, that's Saturday, June the 10th, our SAGBC annual golf tournament. Uh, and if you can help out with that, whether you're pl participating, playing, a whole sponsor, or volunteering on that day, if you'd please let Ke Pastor Ken know as soon as possible. Uh, that way we can get everything squared up and taken care of. Next Sunday, a week from today, is graduation Sunday here at our church. We will recognize and honor all of our graduates, whether they're high school, college, whatever it is, we will recognize them. We'll have tables set up here this weekend for you to all come in to come in and decorate those and uh, let your youngsters be celebrated or oldsters as the case may be. Amen. Amen, Brother Carl. Shout right there. Oldsters. That's right. Youngsters or oldsters, whoever's doing the graduating, we'll recognize them next Sunday morning with gifts from the church, so you make sure that you're here for that. That'll be a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to congratulate those folks. Uh, and then uh, don't forget, uh, if you would please, our online giving uh, is now available to you. The directions continue to be in your bulletin. We'll keep those in there for a little while uh, if you want to avail yourself to that. And then I am so excited to announce to you that our end of summer revival has uh, fleshed out. I've got all the details in there for you. On August the 27th, we'll kick it off Sunday morning with uh, Brother Heath Williams. We'll be preaching. The joyful sounds will be singing. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, uh, Brother C.T. Townsend will be preaching. And Kyler Rowland and Deliverance will be singing each night. So we're excited about that. Looking forward to it. You don't want to miss that. Mark your calendars. Uh, August the 27th through the 30th. Uh, looking forward to a great end of summer meeting as our kids uh, prepare to go back to school. I know that's a dirty word right there. They just got out, but it won't be long till we'll be preparing them to go back and we'll kick off our end of summer meeting with that. Thank you, ladies, that came out today uh, for our uh, shower for uh, baby Foley, who is scheduled to be born on Tuesday morning. They've got a little book here the ladies did. If you want to write a note to the baby, this will be right up here at the front. And uh, like any baby, he will come out brilliant, and by the time he's three months old, he'll be able to read every word of it. So uh, if you want to make a note for the baby, you can do that in the book right up here. And again, that will be at the front as well. And then finally... Two Sundays from today, June the 11th, we'll have a gift basket here set up for some newlyweds here in the church. Shane and Melanie, wave your hand, guys. Got married last Sunday, so we will... Amen. We'll have a gift basket here at the front. Uh, uh, you bring a gift uh, card of any kind uh, to any place, any amount, and uh, we will uh, honor them uh, as they begin their life together. So you keep, again, all of that in mind, if you would, please. All right. Let's get our little ones to come down this morning. All those heading to Children's Church and Junior Church, come on down. Make your way, if you would. Children's Church, Junior Church, if you're visiting with us, they're going to come around, collect any loose change you got. Come on, kids. Come on, come on, come on. And they're going to collect the loose change you got. Where are all my kids? There they come. Come on, guys. And they're going to collect your... This goes to help support our children's ministries, or rather our ladies' ministries here at the church. Come on this morning, guys. kids over here so i need teenagers come on teenagers all the teenagers come 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 on come on come on come on all the teens uh, all the teens come on come on come on i don't believe in letting money go uncollected come on they'll take away my ordination papers amen come on you go down this side lydia you're a teenager too get your tail up here girl
Children's Church, Junior Church, come on this morning. You look like you've been sucking on lemons. Amen. Let me let me let me get put let me give you something to put a smile on your face or at, le- at least a cringe in your heart. I read this this past week. This uh, elderly couple went to uh, uh, Burger King. There was a young man standing behind him. He was kind of amazed as the husband stepped up and said, uh, "We want one cheeseburger, one fry, and one Coke, and we'd like an extra cup." Young man thought, that's awfully strange. So he's watching, and sure enough, they got one cheeseburger, one fry, (laughs) and one Coke. They sat down to eat the meal. I haven't even got to the punchline yet, y'all. They sat down to eat the meal, and the husband took out a knife. The wife grabbed it. She cut the cheeseburger in half. He took half, and she took half. Wife started counting out the fries. One for you, one for me. One for you, one for me. And the husband took the Coke, poured it in the extra cup. And sure enough, they had half a cheeseburger, half a fry, and half a Coke. The man that was behind him looked over at him and said, This is so strange. I've never seen anything like this. I will be, if you all don't have the money, I will be more than happy to buy you an extra meal. The wife said, no, thank you, son. We appreciate that. But the day we got married, we decided we would share everything. So everything that we eat, we just divide in half. The fellow said, you know what? That's about the sweetest thing I've ever heard. So he sat there, and he began eating his meal, and he noticed that the wife sat there with her hands closed, folded in her lap, never eating a bite. Food's right there in front of her. Never touched it. As the husband was just about finished, he he looked over and said, I'm a little bit confused here. I I don't understand if y'all share everything, why why the wife's not eating. She said, I'm waiting for the teeth. At least you're smiling. (laughs) Amen. Fellas, come on, make your way down this morning. Helbert family's getting ready to sing, and Sherry's not even cracking a grin. Amen. She's looking at me like, I have to follow that. (laughs) You give obediently unto the Lord this morning. Let's ask the Lord's blessings on the offering. Lord, it's good to be in your house today. And surely a merry heart doeth good like medicine, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to worship you. Lord, I pray your blessings upon our offering today. May it be what you'd have it to be. Bless the Helberts as they sing now. In your sweet name we pray. Amen.
Let's all stand together one more time. Turn to hymn number 435 before we have a time of fellowship. We'll sing the first verse and chorus. Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, hymn number 435.
right, Joshua chapter number three in your Bibles this morning. Joshua chapter number three, if you would please. While you're turning there, let me read this to you. Sweet card, I want to thank everyone for your phone calls, cards, prayers. We haven't received all the answers yet, but we know who's in control. The answers will come in his time. It's great to belong to a praying church who can reach the throne room. Uh, God bless you. That is from Brother David Harbor. You continue to pray for him as they try to figure out what's going on with his uh, medical condition. Joshua chapter number 3, if you would. I want to give you a message this morning that I've entitled, Why We Need Memorials. Why We Need Memorials. And this last weekend in May is, of course, designated, set aside by our government as Memorial Day. And for many folks, Memorial Day means many different things. For some, it simply means the end of, uh, uh, of the school year, the beginning of the summer season. It begins uh, summer vacation, vacation time for many folks. But I think we understand that in fact, Memorial Day is set aside as a day to pause and be grateful for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could enjoy the freedoms that we cherish and hold dear in this country. On the way to church this morning, I texted a young man or a father from uh, that I work with at college. I've become very close with him. And his son passed away on the battlefield of Afghanistan, and he set up a memorial uh, uh, as a scholarship in his honor. And every year there's multiple uh, events that take place to fund that scholarship. So as soon as I walked into church today, I set my things down, I picked up my phone, and I texted him, and I said, uh, uh, on today I am thankful for the sacrifice your son made so that I could enjoy the freedoms that I hold dear. He sent me back a text that said, thank you, sir, wiping tears, uh, but thankful for what folks do in honor of my son. In reality, folks, everybody that signs their name on the dotted line to enlist in service for our country is setting themselves up available and ready to pay that price. So with that being said, I want everybody in the building this morning, uh, if you have served our country or are currently serving our country, whether it be Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, whatever it is, I want you to stand and be recognized all over the building today. If you have served our nation, I want you to stand. Amen. These are modern-day heroes, folks. Amen. Thank you so much, folks. You all are true heroes in every sense of the word. And we are so grateful for, for your sacrifice. And, of course, on Memorial Day weekend, pausing for a moment to think about those who paid the ultimate price and whose families paid the ultimate sacrifice so that we could stand and enjoy the freedoms that we cherish so dear. At the same time, we also understand that there is one who paid the ultimate price, uh, not for social justice, but for our spiritual freedom. The one who gave his life on a cruel cross of Calvary. And I believe that every day is a good day to be thankful and grateful for that price that Jesus Christ paid that we could have eternal life. When we look at the book of Joshua chapter number 3, we find no better example of a memorial that has been set up. Our Bible is replete with examples of memorials that are set up because of very specific reasons, and no better example is found than in Joshua chapters 3 and 4. 
I know most of you know this, but let me give you a quick reminder that because of 40 years of, uh, because of sin rather, the nation of Israel was uh, uh, sentenced to 40 years of wilderness wanderings. 40 years they wandered in the desert because of sin and unbelief, and now that 40 years of wandering has come to a close. Those years are now expired, and the children of Israel are poised to cross over into the promised land to, to take the inheritance that had been promised them for so many decades previously. But there was still one major obstacle that they had to encounter. One major challenge uh, that still uh, was between them and getting to this place of blessing, and that was the Jordan River. Typically, this would not have posed much of a problem. As you'll see in just a moment, they were encamped at Gilgal, and the place where they were supposed to go across uh, was typically only about 100 feet wide. That's not that big of a challenge to ford a river that's only 100 feet. Uh, but when you read chapter 3, verse 15, we'll look at it in just a moment, uh, we find that this was during harvest season. And during harvest season, uh, then as well as now, the River Jordan swells uh, to 50 times its normal capacity. And now instead of being 100 feet across, it's more than a mile across and 100 feet deep. Two million Jews need to cross the Jordan River in order to get to the promised land. We look at that and we think, well, that shouldn't be a big deal. After all, God had took them through the Red Sea. Surely he can take them through the Jordan River. I want to remind you that this generation that's now getting ready to cross did not see the Red Sea experience. They hadn't lived through the Red Sea crossing uh, because of the sin uh, that entire generation uh, has passed on. This is a new generation uh, who did not see, did not experience the miracle of passing across uh, the Red Sea. They only heard the stories. They never lived through the miracle. So as they get to the Jordan River, as they're looking across to that promised land and thinking to themselves, over there is where the land of milk and honey flows. Over there is the land that God promised us. Over there is everything that we've wanted, but we're stuck on this side, and the river's too big for us to cross. The reality is, folks, when they looked across that huge mile-wide river, they realized that the only way for us to get through is with super natural intervention. If I could put it another way, they realized that in order for us to make it to the other side, God had to do something. I want to pause just a moment and say to every believer in, in the building this morning, every one of us have these obstacles that, that dart our pathway. Every one of us come to times in our life where it seems what should have been a simple little challenge suddenly explodes into this Herculean problem. Seems to be an obstacle that there's no way to get through, no way to get around, no way to get over. And we come to the realization that the only way to make it through is for God to intervene miraculously. I'll submit to everybody this morning, I don't know what your obstacles are. 
but I do know of a God who specializes in overcoming and overwhelming his people in such a way that he leads them to victory and you step back and say look at what God did you see had they crossed over the hundred foot obstacle they could have said look at what we accomplished but when God miraculously intervened and took them across the mile wide river they couldn't say look at what we did they had to stop and say look at what God did you see church what worked for the Israelites 3,000 years ago still works for us today I want to pause just a moment and say as we look at the scripture this morning there will be three steps that we have to take that when we find those obstacles when we come to those crossings that we seem to not be able to get over the three things that they do are the very three things that we should do as we look at this thought this morning we need some memorials let's begin reading in chapter 3 verse number 1 Joshua rose early in the morning and they removed from Shittim and they came to Jordan he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they passed over it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host they commanded the people saying when ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. Joshua said unto the people, Please note verse 5, church. Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, pass over before the people. They took the ark of the covenant and went before the people look if you would at verse 15 for just a second so you'll see exactly what we're dealing with and as they bear the ark and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water notice parenthetically for the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest Understand, folks, that as those Levitical priests stood there with the Ark of the Covenant, uh, and they had the staves that carried it across, the staves across their shoulders, uh, and they studied between them and the distance across. This was not uh, some little hop, skip, and a jump. This was a, a, a river gushing with water that was over a mile deep and a hundred feet across or 100 feet deep, a mile across and 100 feet deep. They understood that in order for them to make it across and for the 2 million Jews that were behind them, God had to intervene. Three things that God gave them. 
three things that were required, if you will, uh, in order for the miracle to happen. Notice with me, first of all, uh, that there was a, a, a message that had to be examined. A message that had to be examined. In verses 3 and 4, God gave very clear instructions, a challenge, if you will. He said to them, tomorrow when you go across, these are the things that you got to do. Look at verse number 3 one more time, if you would, please. Chapter 3, verse 3. They commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God. If you write in your Bible, underscore that word, see. Because in fact, what God was commanding the Israelites uh, is that in order for you to make it across this river, you had to watch God. You had to keep your eyes on the ark of the covenant. Let me pause just a moment and give you a quick explanation. To the non-Jews, the Ark of the Covenant was just a box. It was a box that was overladen with gold. But to the Jew, they understood uh, that that box uh, was very special, uh, not just for what was inside of it. Yes, inside of it uh, was the table uh, uh, that contained the Ten Commandments, the two tablets of stone. Uh, There was Aaron's rod, uh, and there was a pot of manna. But more importantly, that box represented the presence of of God. That box, uh, when it was in the Holy of Holies, meant that God was dwelling with his people. Uh, So what the Lord was saying to the Israelites uh, is when you get to that Jordan River, uh, when you get to that obstacle, uh, when you get to that place that you know you've got to have divine intervention, keep your eyes on God. How many of us sitting in here this morning understand that when the obstacles come into our lives typically one of two things will happen either we run to God or we run away from God far too many believers today when the challenges come when the circumstances come when the trials come when the tribulations come instead of watching God they take their eyes off of God and before you know it what was an obstacle becomes a chasm and what was a chasm becomes that very thing that makes them turn their back on God so when the obstacles come when the challenges come don't take your eyes off of God keep your eyes glued on God Not only did he say to watch God, but he also said to follow God. Go back into that same verse, if you would, verse number 3. They commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. In other words, when you see the ark move you move. When you see the ark stop, you stop. When you see the Levites carrying that ark on their shoulders with the staves, nobody could touch the ark. But when you see the box move, when you see the ark move, that's when it's time you know that you need to get off of your place and you need to move. How many of you understand this morning? That when Israel followed the ark across that river a mile wide, it was not an easy step to take. As each person came to that river and thought to themselves, do I step in? Do I not step in? Where do I go? It was easy, listen now, to look at the circumstance, to look at the trial, to look at the obstacle. But victory comes when we get our eyes off the trial and we get our eyes on the God of the trial. 
So when the ark moved, they moved. Would you listen to me carefully this morning, folks? Following God will not be the easiest decision of your life. Please listen to what I'm saying. I know that flies in the face of a lot of preachers today who seem to give this idea that following God makes everything a bed of roses and a piece of cake. Following God will not be the easiest decision of your life, but you listen to this sweaty preacher this morning. Following God will be the best decision of your life. It might mean that you step out of your comfort zone. It might mean that you have to do things that you never anticipated. But following God, when He moves, you move. When He stays, you stay. Following God will be the smartest thing you've ever done. Watch God. Follow God. But I want you to listen to me ever so carefully. He also said, honor God. What do you mean, preacher? Go back and look at your text, if you would, please. Notice what it says in verse number 4, chapter 3. Yet there shall, not there should be, not there could be, not there might be, not a suggestion, there shall be a space between you and it, the it's the Ark of the Covenant, about two thousand cubits by measure well if you've got a reference bible it tells you that a cubit is 18 inches so you're looking at 2,000 cubits 2,000 cubits then is about 3,000 feet so the Lord says watch it keep your eyes on it when it moves you move when it stops you stop but you keep a self a safe distance between you and that. In fact, that distance is over half a mile wide. Why? We'll understand that two million people got to see it. Two million people uh, have got to follow it. Uh, and in order for everybody to see it, it needs to be a safe distance out in front of everybody. But I want you to understand that it goes far deeper than that, church. It's not a just about being able to see it, so you got to stand far back from it. Uh, notice what it says in verse number 4. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. You've not come this way before. You don't know in and of yourselves how to get across this mile-wide river. In and of yourselves, uh, you'll never make it across. Uh, and in order for you, please get me, church, uh, in order for you to make it across, uh, you don't just watch God. Uh, you don't just keep your eyes on God. Uh, you don't just move when God moves and follow God. Uh, but you've got to honor God. Uh, you need to realize uh, that you've got to keep a safe distance from that box, if you will. Preacher, where are you going? you got to understand this, folks, that to do this the wrong way meant death for the Israelites. You go over into the Old Testament, you will find that there were multiple incidences, Uzzah being one circumstance, if you will, one story where somebody reached and touched the ark that was not supposed to touch the ark. In fact, nobody was supposed to touch the ark with their hands, and God instantly killed them on the spot. Why? Because that box wasn't just a box. 
It represented the presence of a holy, righteous God. Please listen to what I'm about to say, folks. With familiarity often comes a lack of respect. With familiarity comes the idea of taking for granted. Listen to what I'm about to say. Everybody didn't have the presence of God, just the Israelites. Everybody didn't have the Ark of the Covenant, just the Israelites. And the Israelites needed to know that they were special. They needed to know that they were different. They needed to know that God wasn't just their buddy. He was holy. He was righteous. And His word was holy. And His will was holy. And His way was righteous. And so that distance was a way of saying, understand who you are and understand who God is. I'm afraid today, folks, in American society, we've lost that. The Bible tells me that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. We've lost the fear of God. We think we can do what we want, when we want, how we want, and nobody can tell us any different. Uh, you listen real carefully. Uh, you might not want to listen to the preacher. Uh, you might not want to listen to the Sunday school teacher. Uh, you might want to listen to your parents. Uh, you might not want to listen to the college leader. Uh, you might not want to listen to the boss. Uh, but you doggone darn tootin' shootin' ought to be listening to God uh, because when you go against what He says, uh, you are playing with fire. Amen. There was a circumstance there was a trial that they had to cross uh, and the challenge said to watch God move when God moves and honor God but then go to verse 5 if you will not only was there a challenge there was also a command notice what it says in verse 5 Joshua said unto the people sanctify Sanctify, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. For tomorrow God's fixing to blow your mind. Before he does, you've got to clean yourself up. Before you want God to do something miraculous, you got to get yourself ready to receive the miraculous. What do you mean, preacher? Please listen, church. God will not bless or fill a dirty pot. Amen. Let's imagine for just a second that I got two cups here, two buckets. On the outside, one is completely coated with dirt and muck and mire. But the inside's completely clean. Bucket number two. The outside, tart, clean as it can be. Sparkling clean. But the inside, filthy. Dirt. Crud soil caked on mess you tell me which bucket do you want to drink out of bucket number one that's dirty on the outside and clean on the inside or bucket number two that's dirty on the inside and clean on the outside 
How many of you want to drink out of bucket number one? Amen. You see, folks, God told the Israelites, I've cleaned you up on the inside, but in order for you to receive what I'm fixing to do tomorrow, you've got to clean yourself up on the outside. You've got to sanctify yourself. And the word sanctify means to set apart, to, to make yourself different, to, to not be like everybody else. And I'm just going to park right here for a second or two, church. Because the reality is we live in a church age today where the church tries so hard to be like the world. Where we try to tiptoe just as close to the world as we can get. We think we can come to church on a Sunday morning and celebrate how much we love the Lord. And maybe sing in the choir or teach Sunday school or work with the kids or do whatever. And then Monday through Saturday live any way we want to live. And may I say to you, don't be surprised when God can't do the miraculous. Because we're not willing to sanctify ourselves and be different from the rest of the world. Sanctification in verse number 5 was not a suggestion. It wasn't a request. And it wasn't a question. It was a commandment. You want what's coming tomorrow? You clean yourself up today. Would you listen to me carefully, folks? That Old Testament doctrine is still a New Testament commandment. Paul says to the church, Be ye different. Be holy. Be set aside. Parents, would you listen to me today? That oftentimes means your youngster ain't the popular ones down at the public schoolhouse. That often means, uh, factory worker, uh, that you're not with everybody all the time. That they don't hang around you all the time. Hey, if they look at you like you're different, that's a good thing. Amen. There was a commandment that was given notice if you would not only do we have to examine the message we have to expect a miracle I know that sounds a little bit like prosperity preaching I've told you this many times I'm not a prosperity preacher I'm not a name it and claim it preacher I've tried it it didn't work for me my kids went to a Christian school and it was a 45 minute drive Renee did it most of the days. She went, took them down, came home, went back to get them, came back. On the days that I was off from work or able to take them down, I almost inevitably always stopped at this little bitty car dealership in Stokesdale. Why, preacher, did you stop there? Because they had a 1992 green Jaguar with gold leather interior. And the silver Jaguar emblem on the front. I bet I stopped 674 times. It's still there, by the way. We drove through a couple of weeks ago. It's still there. My, my car was like a magnet turning in. Would you look at me? I named it. I claimed it. I licked the door handle a few times. I anointed it with holy oil. I sweated on it. I spit on it. I'm still driving the PT Bruiser. Amen. It's not prosperity preaching. God had already told them, your miracle's coming tomorrow. They needed to expect it. What did that mean? Please understand that there was a severe problem. 
Again, verse 15 makes it very clear. Because verse 15 of chapter 3 says unmistakably uh, that as they bear the ark, uh, they came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bear the ark dipped in the brim uh, of the Jordan. Uh, it says, for the Jordan overfloweth all its banks. In other words, uh, this river was way too wide to get across. What were their options? Let me ask you, what were their options? They could not build a bridge. They couldn't go around it. The Jordan was overflowed all up and down the Jordan River. It wasn't like there were a, a couple of spots where they could get across. Uh, so they couldn't go over it. They didn't have the materials. They didn't have the tools to build a bridge a mile wide. They couldn't go up river. They couldn't go down river. Uh, listen now, their only choice was to go through the river. Had to face it. Head on. They had to tackle the obstacle head on. I'm afraid there are times when we go to God and ask Him to remove the problem. We go to God and we ask Him to remove the circumstance, to remove the trial, to remove the obstacle that's in our way. And God sometimes will remove that, but oftentimes He says no. I want you to go through the problem. You see, church, the previous generation, they had the story of the Red Sea. But this generation, they needed their own testimony. Oh, listen. <laughs> they needed their own testimony. And the only way for them to get the testimony was for them to go through the tribulation. So God says, no, I'm not going to remove it. You need to go through it. And so, that moment, you need to understand that the problem very quickly became a plan. Very quickly became a plan. The Levites, staves upon their arms. The staves were the poles, if you will, that carried the Ark of the Covenant. Two in the front, two in the back. I can just imagine as the Levitical priests got to the edge of the river, nobody had told them that God was going to dry up the river. Only thing they knew was God was going to do something. If I'm the Levites, I sure would appreciate it if God, draw, if, if, if God fixed this before I stepped in. I mean, if I've got my choice, I want God to dry up the river before this boy steps his foot into the raging rapids. But that ain't the way God worked. They're standing there. And I don't know, I can just imagine the conversation. Yo, won't you step in? Oh, won't you go first? You bigger than I am. You uglier than I am. Let's go together. Ready? One, two. And finally, somebody with faith took a step. And that's when the miracle happened. The miracle did not happen until somebody 
stepped out in faith and said, God said it, let's go. And when they stepped out, my, 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 what God did. Go to verse 16 if you would. Waters that came down from above, that means upstream, stood up, stood and rose up on a heap very far from the city Adam that is beside Zaratan. And those that came downward toward the sea plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. So that you understand the magnitude of what God did, when those Levitical priests stepped out 20 miles upstream, God put his hand down. 20 miles. Go look at the maps in the back of your Bible. 20 miles upstream. God said, stop right there. And then on this hand, God pushed them down. Waters all the way to the sea. God that spoke that universe into existence is standing there with his hands pressed spiritually. And another generation walks across on dry ground. A generation that only heard what God had done is now seeing what God did for daddy God can still do for me what God did in that generation he's still willing to do in this generation and two million Jews walked across on dry ground can I just pause a moment and say when God does it he don't play when God does it he does it Examine a message. Expect a miracle. Finally, all of that was intro. <laughs> so I can give you the third point. When the miracle happens, we need to erect a memorial. We need to commemorate what God does. When all the people had passed over Jordan... Chapter 4 tells us that Joshua commanded one man from each of the 12 tribes to get a rock from the middle of the Jordan River and on the other side, the Canaan side, stack the rocks and make a memorial. What's the purpose of that? Go to chapter 4 if you would please. Flip over to verse number 21. Chapter 4, verse 21. He spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children shall ask their fathers in times to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then ye shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. You see, this generation that just walked across, they didn't have the Red Sea experience. They needed their own testimony. 
And so Joshua told them, as you're going across, I want one man from each tribe to grab a rock. And when you get to the other side, when you're in the promised land, just as you step out, we're going to erect a memorial there. We're going to erect a monument so that the next generation who did not get to come across Jordan, when they see the rocks and they look at their dad or their grandpa or their grandma and say, what do those rocks mean? You can tell them about the time that God intervened one more time let me pause a moment and say we need some mamas and some daddies and some young adults and some godly teenagers who are in the memorial erecting business we need some folks who when God does the miraculous in your life who create that spiritual memorial uh, so that you can tell another generation, let me tell you how God worked in my life. Let me tell you how God intervened miraculously in my life. I, I grew up listening to stories of how God blessed the previous generation. Please listen to what I'm about to say and understand I mean this as respectfully as I can say it I am so thankful for all the stories that I've heard and learned and even shared about what God did yesterday but what he did then he can show enough still do now and I'm not one to live off the blessings of yesterday I want to be able to tell my children and my grandchildren not what God did for my grandparents, but what God did for me. I'm done with this. Most folks skip over this part of the story, but there were, in fact, two memorials. Y'all closing your Bibles, open it back up to Joshua 4. I'm not done. Joshua chapter 4. I heard all the zips. There were, in fact, two memorials. Go to verse number 9, if you would. I'll go back to verse 8. Children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua, according to the number of the tribes, children of Israel, carried them over with them unto the place where they lodged and laid them down there. The reason why is given in verses 21 through 24. But look at verse 9. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there unto this day. I have to tell you, for the longest time, I couldn't wrap my head around this verse. I mean, there, this verse is laden with meaning. There is a simple recognition that when those priests stepped out, everybody did not start following them immediately. They got out into the middle of the river. And that's when everybody started following. And in fact... They stayed there in the middle of the river until everybody got across. 
I told you a moment ago that the ark represented God. It dawned on me a few weeks ago that what Joshua is commemorating was the day God got smack dab in the middle of the problem and solved it. <laughs> it was a commemoration of the fact that God stepped in to the middle of the problem and God fixed it all. And Joshua, I think, being the good leader that he was, waits until everybody's gone across. He goes across and he gathers up 12 stones, one for each of the 12 tribes, and he tells the priests, boys, take one step forward. They took a step forward. Joshua erected a memorial right there in the middle of the river. They go across, and the waters come back together. And for the longest time, I looked at that, and I thought, that's just silly. It's there to this day, but nobody can see it. Nobody knows it's there. How can it be a memorial if nobody can see it? And then it dawned on me. God sees it. God knows it's there. The memorial over there was for the people. The memorial here was Joshua saying, God, thank you. Thank you for divinely intervening and getting in the middle of our problem and taking care of it. And so everybody who's on this side knows they made it over here because of the faith they had over here. <laughs> They'd have never left here had somebody not said, let's go boys. In the waters. So let me end by saying we need to be in the monument memorial erecting business. We need another generation that's going to come along and say, what do those stones mean? You could look at them and say, let me tell you about the time God answered prayer. Let me tell you about the time God delivered miraculously. Let me tell you about the time God intervened in such a way that we all stood back and said, look what God did. Let's stand to our feet. Nobody's looking today. Heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would. I have no doubt that some of you are standing in front of an obstacle today and the waters are raging all around. You don't know which way to go. You know that you wish God would remove the problem. You know you wish you could go over it or around it, but there is that sneaking suspicion that perhaps God wants you to go through it. And at the moment, you just don't see a way. If that's you this morning, you're facing an unbelievable obstacle. And you need a divine miracle. You say, Pastor, pray for me. Boy, I'm seeing an awful lot of hands go up. I sure appreciate that. Pray for me. Anybody else? 
Anyone else? I'm going to ask you this morning, before Brother Ken sings the first note of this, Have Thine Own Way, or I Need Thee, I want you to step out right now. Everybody that raised your hand, I want you to step out right now. Step out right now. Everybody that raised your hand, step out. I know the hour's late. I know what time it is. Step out. Nobody's looking. Brother Ken will sing in just a moment. Is there anybody here this morning that would just be honest and say, Pastor, I don't even know the Lord. I'm not even a Christian. If the Lord came back today or if something happened to me today, I don't even know that heaven would be my home. Pray for me. Can I pray for you? That's all I'll do is pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. Anybody like that this morning? Anybody like that? Brother Ken's going to sing this beautiful, beautiful hymn, I Need Thee, Oh, I Need Thee. And I want to encourage you to step out if the Lord speaks to your heart about whatever it is. You come on now. My brother Ken sings.